How's everyone doing this morning? Good. Loving Jesus? Awesome. Praise God. Um, yeah, so I was going to say some really nice things about Pastor David when I first got up here, but now that he's uh, thoroughly embarrassed me with my golf game, um, I think I'm just going to skip that whole part of the message. And, but Pastor Daniel's an amazing man of God. <laughs> just such an amazing... Like I would encourage you to dogpile on him, you know, this guy's anointed, you know, he's kind, he's loving, he's long-suffering, you know, he exhibits just all the fruit of the Spirit, you know, um, so please join me in a word of prayer for Pastor David, you know, and, yeah. and I'll, I'll have you know when I golf with Sam, he only did uh, three over par on the first nine, so I know, so just the first game of the season, you know, so he's, that's why he's just ribbing me a little bit there, because he realizes the only chance he'll get. <laughs> yes, I am highly competitive, <laughs> if you haven't noticed yet. But uh, anyways, yeah, so I just want to really briefly, before I get to my message, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, on Saturday, you know, and some of us, we might not full, grasp the full magnitude of what actually took place. Some of us, you know, maybe you're just thinking, okay, you, you fed, you know, gave a bunch of people a hot dogs, and you talked to Jesus to a few people. So you said 380 hot dogs, was it? You know, plus one of them went to the crow, you know, so that's darn crow, no. <laughs> And, uh, but we don't, I don't think we fully realize a measure of what actually took place. So people just receiving just an act of kindness were able to receive the love of God. And for many of these people, it was the first time someone actually went out of their way to show them that God loves them. That's a seed of incorruptible seed that was planted inside of someone. You know, it says in, that we are born again by incorruptible seed. You know, that seed just of simply loving someone to going outside or out of our way to loving someone in an unconventional way that would just seem just uh, uh, not normal to a society should say that we should do. And there's a seed that's birthed on, that's planted on the inside of someone. You know, that, that seed is not going to go away. They're going to remember that act of kindness. They're going to remember the fact that solid rock and God loves them. Right? And, and I love this, how Pastor David, he was saying that he was uh, a little nervous about it, but he just seemed like a natural. I just got to say that. You know, he just seemed like a natural out there, and he's going and walking up to people and just talking to them, and he says, oh, hey, by the way, this guy here, John Raz, you know, he'll tell you about God, and uh, he'll tell you, like, he'll, give, he'll get pictures for you from God, so he's kind of setting up the whole playing field, so I'm like, this just takes all the guesswork out of it. Thank you, Jesus. Like, I could just walk up, prophesy, talk about Jesus, and go to the next one. I'm like, this is awesome. He's, just, he's like the icebreaker. This is fantastic. And uh, there was a, one, one specific uh, event that really just blessed me yesterday. Was there's, we saw this young girl. She came with her longboard, like a skateboard, and just back and forth from the hot dogs going back across the lake. You know, just going, came back a couple times. And finally, Pastor David found out that she's getting orders from her friends. Like, she actually had, like, a, a meal order, you know, okay, I want these chips, I want these pop, you know, I want this many hot dogs, hot ketchup on this one, mustard on that one. And she was just going back and forth, bringing her friends hot dogs. And uh, so Pastor David find out, found out that there's a whole group of them on the other side of the lake. So he asked if okay, we could jo just go and talk to them. You know, so we bring some hot dogs with us, you know, because you've got to bring something to make them happy, make them listen to you. Right, and uh, so we go there, and but before with that, we, there's a few of their friends that we managed to talk to, prophesied over, you know, just kind of uh, told them about God's heart for them, and just gave them a, you know, a spiritual reading, you know, and what that is is just a prophetic word or a word of knowledge, you know, and we just don't use those words because how many of you know the world doesn't know what we talk about? We talk about prophecy or words of knowledge, you know, it's like telling someone, don't you know you're redeemed by the blood of the lamb? You know, don't think you're killing sheep in the backyard. <laughs> You know, or they're not going to have any sweet clue what you're talking about. 
And uh, so we, you know, we, go, we get there, and uh, Pastor David once again just introduces himself to everyone, sets up the whole thing, greets the ones that he's already met. And then uh, he lines me up just to come in for the kill, right? It was fantastic. And, and then uh, uh, we offered them to give him their spiritual reading or uh, to ask him if he wanted to know what God says about them. And one of them who already got you know, their reading, he turns to his friend and he says, listen, you have to do it. This blew my mind. You know, you know, and they use little colorful words there, but which is fantastic. I thought it was great because sinner sin, you know. And, uh, and, and it was the part that really just I thought was great, they felt so comfortable around us that, you know, they had, you know, this might offend some of you, but that's okay. You know, if it does, just get unreligious about it, right? You know, they had their, their, uh, their pot-smoking paraphernalia. You know, they're trying to hide it underneath their jackets. And I told them, I said, listen, I don't care about that. You know, they're like, oh, in that case, they pull up a box and there's a water pipe. You know, just big, huge thing just sitting there on a the table. I'm like, well then, that's good. You know, like, go for it, you know. And, and, uh, and even the, the, the one girl who came back and forth with the hot dogs, taking the, the food orders, you know, she asked me, she says, hey, do you mind if I smoke? That I, I, I just blessed me. Like, the fact, she had enough respect for us and realized that what we're doing, she asked me, do you mind if I smoke? Right? And then I told her I couldn't care less if she did or not. You know, of course, I do for the health factor, but I didn't care if she smoked around me. And I'm sitting there, I'm prophesying over these kids. You know, we're giving them words of knowledge, we're telling God's heart for them, and we're just ministering to them. And you see their face just light right up. And one of them was actually, as I'm talking to them, prophesying to them, and sharing God's heart for them, and telling them with the love of Jesus, and ministering the cross and the resurrection of Jesus to them, he's sitting there and he's smoking his pot as I'm prophesying to him. So he's sitting there, he's like, man, that was amazing. You know, he's sitting there, and I was like, God, that's great. You know, I was like, that's awesome, the fact that he feels so comfortable to do this stuff. Right? No, I'm not endorsing it, don't, don't, no, don't get me wrong, don't mistweet me. You know, they'll get on Facebook and be like, John Raz is a heretic, he's endorsing pot. No, not at all, not in the least bit. I think it's an absolute horrible thing. Even if they legalize it, I think he should run away from it. You know, just anti-drug plug for everyone there so you know my heart. <laughs> but I, I just thought it was great that, you know, sin, like sinners sin, it's what they do. So we can't judge them on it, right? We should judge people on the fact that they're not saved. You know, not judging them, but we should be more concerned about their salvation than we are what they're doing. See, a religious mindset will think, well, they're smoking pot, we should call the cops. Weren't you a sinner once? You know, weren't you in a place where you just needed someone to show you the glory of God, show you the love of God? Now, it says in Romans chapter 2, it says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. You know, I remember years ago, I used to live in Edmonton, Alberta. And uh, I remember one day I was, I was doing the dishes. And my, my window was open. It was a nice summer day. And my neighbors were out there, you know, smoking their, their drugs. And I don't know exactly what they were smoking. But also this big cloud of smoke comes right into my kitchen. You know, and I thought, I was like, man, I'm going to call the cops. This is absurd. You know, I'm just sick and tired of smelling their drugs. You know, this is just not good. And the Lord actually rebukes me in the midst of that. You know, he says, John, don't you remember when you were just like one of them? He says, calling the cops on it is not showing them my goodness. He says, why don't you go and bless them? And I thought, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And he says, well, don't you remember how hungry you got when you did drugs? You know, we call it, there's actually a term for it called the munchies. Right? I'm like, it happens so often, there's a term for it. You know, so I, I went out, you know, and I bought these, uh, a bag of two-bite brownies, you know, and I, and I went to their house, they were having this huge party, and I'm sitting there, hey, I, I'm bringing offerings to you, you know, here, and I want to become your friend, you know, I'm trying to bribe them to let me in, and uh, so I bribed them with my brownies, and, uh, you know, they're sitting there, they absolutely love it, and they're like, man, like, what do you do, like, you know, I told them I was a preacher, and they're like, what, the preacher's bringing stoners brownies? 
You know, it just blew their mind. They couldn't comprehend, wrap their mind around it because the world has this skewed view of what the church is like. They have a misconception of who God is and what he does for us. You know, we have to understand that God doesn't look us through the eyes of sin, but he looks at us through the eyes of love. Every time the Lord looks at us, he doesn't look at you, doesn't see your sin. Even today, if you're a born-again believer, the Lord does not look at you and see, oh, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. He doesn't have a naughty or nice list. He's not Santa Claus. Right? God's got a, I, got, I want to relieve my, my show you my glory over you list, which everyone fits under. There's no good or bad. There's, these ones are saved and these ones are unsaved. These are the ones I love and these ones I want to show my goodness so that they could repent and come to know the fullness of who I am. See, there's no naughty or niceness in the kingdom of God. we got to get rid of that religious thinking and just start thinking the way God thinks and realize that the war that we fight, you know, we, we do fight a spiritual war, don't we? You know, it says in Ephesians 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood because the principalities and powers and rulers of this age, you know, but the great thing about it is, you know, we have weapons to defeat everything. You know, it says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15, can you throw that up there? Colossians 2, 15. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I love about the enemy, one thing, there's, one, there's only one thing I love about the devil, and that's the fact that he's defeated. I love that. You know, sometimes in the church we have improper views of the devil, improper views of who the enemy really is. You know, one of them is that we don't acknowledge the fact that we do, in fact, fight a spiritual war. You know, there is a war raging on right now, and the war is not just for you, but it's for the sake of humanity. You know, we don't war just for you and your family. We war a spiritual war for mankind, Sometimes we've got to get our eyes off ourselves and realize, yes, we go through problems, we go through trials, we go through tribulation. God even promised us that. Isn't that? You know, it's kind of like, that's not the promises that we really like to confess. You know, yes, God, I acknowledge your tribulations that are going to come. You never hear someone prophesying, you know, and making decrees over themselves, you know, about the tribulations. God, bring the tribulations. You know, so Colossians uh, 2.15 says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them in it, triumphing over them in it. I love that. We fight a defeated devil. You know, so the first and proper view of the enemy we have is that he doesn't exist. We don't acknowledge the fact that we do, in fact, fight a spiritual war. There is a war going on for our salvation. There's a war going on for humanity, for the salvation of mankind. You know, but also the second and proper view that we have sometimes is we give too much credit to the devil. You ever meet some of those people, how are you doing, brother? Well, bless God, I'm under attack once again. <laughs> Every time you talk to him, the devil's doing this, devil's doing that. You know, sometimes our problems come from our own bad decisions, isn't it? You know, the devil didn't give you credit card debt. If you think about it, right? That, you know, sometimes you're sitting there, you're out in a hot sun, and you, know, you get dehydrated and you get a headache from it. Well, the devil didn't give you that headache, you're just dehydrated. Sometimes we give too much credit to the devil. I saw this little comic strip, little cartoon one time, and it had uh, the stereotypical devil with the, the fork, to the uh, spade tail, pitchfork, and horns sitting on the front, the, the front steps of the church, and he's crying. And the pastor walks up to me and says, you know, good old pastor. You know, it's like, well, what's wrong? Right? He's counseling the devil, and he goes, they're blaming me for everything in there. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we just give too much credit to the devil. 
You know, because we find this defeated foe. And, you know, it says that we made a public spectacle of them in it. You know, to make a public spectacle of someone in Roman times, what would happen is if you had two kings going to war against each other, the victorious king would take away the defeated king's crown, his garments, his armor, his weapons, take away everything he has, bind him up, tie him up with chains or rope, and then drag him behind his chariots. So right now, we are fighting a naked, defeated, powerless devil. Oh, isn't that so good? No, but see, the devil's got a trick, though. You know, it says that, you know, he'll just he'll bring deception into our lives. He'll just bring a deception. He'll bring us to lie to us. You know, in Ephesians, turn up, throw up Ephesians 6, 10, and down to verse 13. You know, so the devil, you know, even though because of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, you know, it says in 2 Corinthians 15 that Jesus came as the second Adam. You know, the reason why he came as a second Adam, he came from a place without sin in order to restore us back to the Garden of Eden. Right now, as New Testament, New Covenant, Spirit-filled believers, we stand in a position of victory, we stand in a position of authority, and we've been restored back to right standing with God as if Adam was before the fall in the Garden of Eden. Any other view is giving too much credit to the devil. Come on. So finally, my brethren, says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Therefore, take up the whole arm of God that you may be withstand against the evil day and having done all to stand. Uh, you missed a couple of verses there. I said 10 down to 13, sorry. Yeah. So anyway, I'll, I'll just tell you what it says. You can look it up later. Anyway, it says put on the whole, it's up there. Put on the whole armor of God that you stand against the wiles, uh, the wiles, there you go. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now the word wiles there literally means trickeries. See, the devil will just try to trick you. See, even though we, we fight a powerless devil, you know, he has no weapons anymore because God took them all away. He stripped away the keys of the enemy, stripped away his power, but now he has his tongue. The same thing he had back in the Garden of Eden. See, the devil will sit there and he'll just try to lie to you. He'll bring deception. And every form of deception has an element of truth behind it, but twisted with a lie. See, same thing happened in the Garden of Eden. He tells Adam and Eve, he says, you know, you will not surely die. See, Adam and Eve began to believe that they were talking about physical death, talking about immediate death. Always talk about a spiritual death. And also an eventual physical death as well. I believe Adam and Eve would never would have physically died if they never would have sinned. I believe that because it says in Psalms that they were clothed with the glory of God. And then when sin came, that glory kind of seemed to fade away. And Adam realized that he was naked now. But see, the devil doesn't have any new tricks. He'll just try to bring deception into our lives. And once we start believing the deception, we start believing the lie, we end up having, handing over our keys of authority over to the devil. See, what he's going to try to do is try to bring in religious mindsets within the church. He doesn't care if you were going to church every Sunday. Do you know that? The devil doesn't care that you go to church. The devil doesn't care that you're worshiping God. He doesn't care. But what he does care about is making sure you do, do something outwardly for the kingdom of God. 
See, what he wants to do is have you stay put within the church. He wants to confine you within the four walls of the church. He wants to tell you and uh, bring deception. He wants to bring these lies that tell you that you, know, you can't go and do something because you're not anointed. No, you have certain sin. You have this sin and this sin in your life. And he wants to bring in condemnation, which will bring a guilt within your life that cripples you from moving forward and bringing devastation into the kingdom of darkness. See, but the devil you know, he just has no real weapons except for the lies that he brings. And when we believe those lies, we end up, like I said, we end up handing them over the keys of authority. You know, so we believe that, here's a lie that he says, that God will bring sickness. God gave you that sickness. God gave you that sickness because he wants to teach you something. Well, that's completely 110% contrary to the word of God. But when we start believing that lie, because God does want to teach us stuff, he will use sickness to teach us, but he does not give you sickness. God will use every opportunity he has to show us something. No matter what, whether you're in a place of financial strain, whether you're in a place where you're needing a miracle, whether you're in a place where of just hurt and brokenness and depression or whatever it is, that God will use every single instant, every opportunity to show you his goodness and to bring wisdom into your life. So there's a truth behind the fact that the devil says, you know, God's given you sickness to teach you something. See, God, oh hey, look at that, my notes. <laughs> so, so there is a, a small fracture of an element of truth behind it. And within that, you know, there's deception that gets formed, and he just he's beginning to bite on that little bit of truth, and we start believing the deception. And because we believe that the lie that says that God has given you sickness to teach something, we don't experience our miracle. You know, in whatever case it is, there's always some form of a lie that the enemy brings, and as soon as we start believing that, we literally begin to open the door of our spirits, open the doors of our lives, of our hearts, and we begin giving authority in that area of our life, and he could walk in and trample all over us. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus has already paid the price for everything that we need. And it says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says that we have been blessed with every, everyone say every, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Oh, is it not good? You know, is healing a spiritual blessing? Absolutely. Finances, absolutely. Prosperity, you know, a good healthy marriage, kids who are serving the Lord. All these things, you know, are just a, a, a spiritual blessing from God. He's already blessed us with all these things. And sometimes the only thing that we need to do is begin to renew our minds into the, line, the, the word of God and start standing upon the promises, taking back the keys of authority that we have and begin to move forward with the kingdom of God. Come on now. Sometimes we need to be, go, go, be going out there. Sometimes we get so inwardly focused on what our problems are that God is just saying, hey, listen, start being outwardly focused. I'm telling you, some of the best ways to exhibit breakthrough within your life is actually to look outside into the world. You know, you see in Luke 15, uh, multiple times in Luke 15, it talks about how the angels rejoice when only one sinner gives their life to God. See, there's only times you really see, there's, there's only twice in the word of God you see angels celebrating is when the birth of Jesus and when someone gets saved. Come on. So I don't know about you guys, but I like to party. I like to have fun. You know, and I believe that we can just rejoice with the angels. Come on. Ain't no Holy Ghost party. Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party. You know, seriously. seriously if you want to have some fun, just start, just, you know, get, start just drinking the Holy Ghost wine with the angels. Come on now. <laughs> Oh, God, turn my water into wine. <laughs> Holy Ghost. You know, it says in John 2 that Jesus turned the water into wine to manifest his glory. God, manifest your glory in my water bottle. Shabba, ba, ba. Not yet. 
Holy Ghost. No. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Oh, I'm just getting a little drunk in the Holy Ghost right now. It's okay. So I'm telling you, you know, God wants to mobilize you guys. He wants to equip you. He wants to train you. And the great thing about it is you already have the power of God living on the inside of you. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 and 21. I should have given my notes beforehand, the scriptures I was going to use. You know, so, so now to him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Verse 21. To him to be the glory in the church by, the, by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. So I love that. It says, you know, so, so to him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think of. So that's five different ways God is telling us that he's going to blow our minds. Isn't that great? You know, since he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think of, some of our problems is that we don't ask and we don't think bigger. We don't think big enough. Sometimes we think, well, if only God could supply this one area of my life. If God could just do this one thing, I'll be happy. But God is saying, no, I want to do that one thing and I want to do 50 other things for you as well. No, I have a really wild imagination. I love daydreaming with God. You know, I absolutely just adore daydreaming with God. I believe one day, this is a really part of my wild imagination, I believe that one day airlines are going to go out of business because Christians get transported everywhere. It'll make ministry so much easier. Oh my gosh. As much as I love ministering to people on planes because they can't go anywhere, you know, it's seriously, it's like, you know, it says in Job twenty two twenty eight. it says, decree a thing and it shall be established and light will shine on your path. Well, every time I walk into a plane, I make a declaration. I used to say this is now the revival rocket, but rocket sounds too much like bomb, so I stopped saying that, you know, <laughs> and all this terrorist activity in the world today, you know, so I just, you know, I just make some kind of declaration saying this is now the revival tube, you know, <laughs> it's a revival jet or something, and, and I just start ministering to everyone around me because they can't go anywhere. You know, it's great. Just prophesy a little bit louder. You know, I've cast demons out in planes. I've had healing lines in planes. It's great. There's one, oh, I just want to share this one quick story. I think it's just, it's just so fun. Uh, I sat there one time I was on a plane, and I see this. The Lord speaks to me, and he says, that man, a couple rows forward of me, he says, he's got a demon in him. I thought, he's got a demon. Like, what do you want me to do about it, God? He goes, well, go cast it out. And I go, how the heck am I going to do that in the plane? And he says, well, t- ask the flight attendant if you're allowed to do it. And I'm like, hold on a second, Jesus. I'm like, you're telling me this person has a demon and you want me to go cast it out while we're in the air. And you want me to ask a flight attendant to give you permission to go and do it. And he's like, mm-hmm. So I thought, man, this is going to be crazy. So I, I, I called, I had the little, uh, the little buzzer, you know, so you can call the flight attendant. You know, the little light goes, ping. You know, I, I over, I, I'm, the type of, I'm the guy who overuses that thing. You know, I look at it as, I don't see my flight attendant, I see it as my waitress, you know, my waiter. You know, I'm like, think, can I get a glass of water? Think, can I get a Coke? Think, can I get cookies? Can I get a second meal? <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's terrible. So, anyway, so I, I ding the little button, the flight attendant comes by, and she goes, yes, sir, what can I do for you? And I go, um, this might sound really strange, but God just spoke to me, and that man over there in 37C has a demon. And, uh, and she looks at me, she says, well, what are you going to do about it? So, so then I, I look at her and says, well, God asked me to give, ask you permission to go take, take care of it. She goes, yeah, you have my blessing to go and do it. In fact, can I join you? <laughs> I thought, absolutely you can. You know, so I walk up to the man in 37C. I don't know what number it was. We'll just call it 37C. And I look at him and I go, hello, sir. And he goes, hmm. 
And I was like, this is already going to be good. <laughs> you know? So long story short, you know, this person's doing the funky chicken, you know, like it's, you know, tip, stereotypical demon casting out session. It was so fun. You know, and of course, how many of you know everyone around him is now looking like, what's going on? Is he having a seizure? It's called 911. One person said it's called 911. You know, we're 30,000 feet in the air. I'm like, really? You want to call 911? You know, I think it was just natural reaction to it, you know? You know, anyways, a bunch of people got saved that day on the plane. It was fantastic. It was such a good flight, you know? And then uh, I, always, I always like it, you know, when you have awesome God experiences in flights and then when you catch another flight later on in life and a flight attendant keeps on staring at you and you're like, they're just staring at you, and I'm like, I don't know who they are. Why they're staring at me? I'm assuming it's glory. Maybe I got something in my nose. You know, I don't know. And then you walk up, and you're like, are you John Raz? I'm like, yeah. <gasps> I was with you on the flight when you cast a demon out of that guy. That was awesome, you know. But anyway, so I have this really wild imagination with the Lord, you know. So flight, you know, airlines are going to go out of business. Christians Christian just get transported everywhere. You know, it's going to be so much fun. So, and, uh, you know, so, and the reason why I have this wild imagination, because it says, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think of. So I believe if we can think bigger than what God can do, then we make ourselves bigger than God, which is impossible. So I, we, I want to challenge you, think bigger. Think bigger of yourself. Think bigger of your God. Think bigger of your community. Think bigger of how you're going to reach your community for Jesus. You know, and I love how you guys have the one for two, not the two for one, you know. <laughs> But the, the one for two, and, uh, and I think Pastor David's you know, one for two just grew to one for ten, possibly, you know, after ministering to all those kids, you know, maybe 50, who knows, you know, but uh, we got to start thinking bigger on how we're going to reach our community for Jesus. You know, start thinking bigger of how God's going to use you to reach people. You know, because there's a power, he says, he's able to do all these things according to the power that works in you. The, word, the power is already there. We've already had received the Holy Spirit. It says in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit fell upon all flesh. And in Acts 1.8, it says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. And if you haven't received the Holy Spirit yet, you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, well, guess what? Today could be your great day. could be your blessed day where you could receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Start spitting in tongues, talking in tongues. and call it spitting in tongues. See, I get really excited and kind of comes out. But anyways, <laughs> you know, so today could be your day where you receive the power of God. There's no reason why you will not, you can't receive the power of God. Sometimes our greatest enemy is ourselves, you know, and receive. Sometimes our own thinking is just our, our own thinking begins to hinder us. That's why I believe that we just first need to be anointed with a numbskull anointing, where we just stop thinking with our brain and we start thinking with our heart. I'm going to tip this thing over pretty soon. <laughs> so we, we just got to, you know, just allow God to do what he wants to do in our lives and just start being excited about it. You know, ignoring our problems that we have, ignoring the things that we are going through. You know, because how many of you know that God promises problems? In fact, it says in, in, turn with me to Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. Romans 5 and 3. And we're going to read down uh, 3, 4, and 5. Uh, but not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. How many of you people can say you do that? God, I love tribulations. I glory in my tribulation. You know, oh God, bring on the problems. <laughs> so not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Next verse. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. 
And now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And I remember growing up, my dad would make me do stuff. You know, he'd say, well, it's good for you. It produces character. I hated that word. Absolutely hated it. Because every time I, you know, I, used, I remember I first read that verse, I actually almost wanted to tear my page out of the Bible. Almost. Didn't actually do it. You know, but it's because I hated that word character so much that dad just kept on, almost really abused it, you know. You know, I felt like he abused it. Go do the dishes. It produces character. You know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, wakes me up. You didn't do your chores. Go and do them. It'll produce character for you. And, but, you know, it's the great thing. When you have character produced through tribulations, we'll be able to glory within our tribulation, which produces perseverance and perseverance character. And that character hope, that hope is not going to disappoint you. And I love the biblical definition of hope is a joyous expectation of what God is going to do. Oh, that's so good. It's a joyous expectation of what God is going to do. So we need to have that expectation, not just an expectation, but be happy about it. Tell me, joy is such a key to releasing the anointing. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not feeling happy. I can't minister. I have a hardest time prophesying. If I'm not feeling happy or joyful, I can't prophesy over people. You know, and joy is not necessarily an emotion, but it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that gets produced as we begin to uh, have relationship with God, as we begin to grow in intimacy with the Holy Spirit. We begin to produce the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, you know, and talks about those fruits. And as we begin to produce that joy, you know, which will begin to produce hope on the inside of you as well. And without hope, you cannot have faith. It says in Hebrews 11.1, it says, Now faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. See, without hope, we can't even have faith. So faith itself has joy on the inside of it. It has an expectation that there is a joy. So when we go out into the world, every time I leave my house, every time I leave the hotel, wherever it is that I'm, I happen to be in the world that particular day, you know, I just leave my place and I have this hope and this expectation and this joy expecting God to do something supernatural. I remember just a few weeks ago, about three weeks ago now maybe, before coming here, I was in Korea. I was there for a couple weeks. And I just had this hope that knowing that God was going to heal someone, knowing that God was going to do something supernatural. I would go around the streets just praying in tongues. So I figured, I don't speak Korean. They don't speak English. I'm like, someone is going to get ministered to somehow. And I just go in the streets praying in tongues. And I thought maybe God could make my tongue sound Korean, which he didn't, but that's okay. But I just went around and I was getting words of knowledge for people. And I'm walking around town, just getting words of knowledge, walking downtown Seoul, you know, Seoul, Korea. And God would tell me, that person's got this condition, go pray for him. I'm like, okay. So I'd walk up to him, shakaraba, shambarababa, shambarababa. I'm praying for him. They're sitting there trying to fight me, you know. <laughs> you know, and also, <laughs> and then I found out later on that uh, a lot of Koreans speak English, you know. <laughs> so I'm sitting there screaming in tongues, and they're probably thinking I'm trying to mug them or something, or uh, who knows what. You know, maybe I was speaking Korean, and they're like, the kingdom of God is going to invade you. And they're like, ah, you know, I, I, I don't know. But see, when you have that joyous expectation, when you have that hope, nothing will stop you from going forward. You know, realizing that the tribulations are going to come. The problems are always going to be there. You know, they're always going to be something. But the great thing about God is he enables you to overcome. And when you begin to overcome those things, you begin to keep your eyes off of yourself, your eyes off of your own problems, and start realizing that we're fighting a war, not just for ourselves, but for the sake of humanity. 
See, what you're going through right now, your present circumstances, no matter what you're dealing with, that seems like a hard situation, God is going to use that to glorify himself through you to produce some form of character, some form of perseverance, and some form of hope that is going to enable you to reach a greater population of people. See, everything that we're going through in life is not just because, you know, uh, God's trying to test you and, 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 and build, just build a character inside of you, but he's doing that to produce something that's going to bring a light in the midst of darkness. Come on now. There's always something. So we begin to uh, bring in that hope and realizing that we have Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory. Oh, that's so good. I don't know about you guys, but I, everywhere I go, I just try to manifest the glory of God or as much as I can. You know, it's not just about going out there and having a scheduled outreach, but living a lifestyle of the kingdom. That everywhere you go, you're not too busy to reach the lost. When you see someone, compassion begins to well up on the inside of you. You know, just begin to ask the Lord, say, God, how can I bless this person? How can I show them your goodness? How can I show them that you love them? I remember I was sharing a story on our, I think it was a Tuesday or Thursday night. Uh, I was in... Uh, it was late one night, and I was going to the grocery store. And uh, as I walk into the grocery store, the Lord tells me, he says, I want you to buy the groceries for the person behind you. And I, I'm, I'm, when you check out, and I'm looking around, I can't see anyone in the store but like a few staff members. I'm thinking, praise God, I'll buy the staff a candy bar or something. This is going to be a cheap. This is going to be great. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and then uh, so I get my couple groceries, you know, and this is like, like 10 minutes before closing. You know, and, then, and I had one till open. I go to that one till that was open. No one's behind me. My last item is about to get scanned and I'm about to pay for it. I'm thinking, well, maybe I just, I missed heaven. I didn't hear God, right? And all of a sudden, this woman comes by with two full shopping cart loads. I'm talking like Mount Everest of shopping carts. Like I'm talking like overflowing. She's catching stuff as, as it's falling off, you know, putting it back on top. And I'm thinking, oh, dear Jesus, please fill up my checking account right now. You know, and then... So as they're scanning my stuff, and they, they, uh, they sum up the till, the, the, the amount that I tell, uh, uh, I tell her, is like, listen, scan this person's groceries as well. I'm paying for her groceries. And, on, and the woman behind me is like, what do you mean you're paying for my groceries? I was like, this might seem strange, but God just told me to pay for your groceries. And of course, she just starts breaking down, weeping, and just absolutely just being blessed by God. And, and not only that, but the teller, the, the cashier, she starts weeping as well. Because she, she sees the glory and the goodness of God, the love of God in action. And all of a sudden, you know, she, tells, she, she sees a coworker talking, you know, walking by, and she talk, calls him over and, just, and tells her coworker what's happening. And then the next person, and the next person, and the next person, right? And next thing you notice, there's like little mini revival happening in the grocery store. It's just simply by uh, paying with a ridiculous amount of groceries. So, so I was like, darn right, God, I better get revival right now after paying that. And I was like, you know, there better be some fruit coming out of this, Jesus. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. But I'm telling you, just by showing some people the goodness of God, you know, Romans 2, it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. So as you go about your days, ask God, say, God, how can I get my eyes off myself, ignoring these troubles, right? And just how can I glorify you? How can I show your love to someone who deserves to see your love in action today? And just go looking for the opportunity. It could simply be just uh, holding someone's door open or, or even just buying them a Starbucks and paying for someone's meal behind you in the drive-thru. You know, why not? Amen. You know, when I, one thing we did one time, we went to uh, Tim Hortons. How many of you guys love Tim Hortons coffee? I personally don't. I think it's horrible, but, you know, <laughs> a lot of people do. <laughs> you know, we went to Tim Hortons, you know, and just because it was cheaper than Starbucks. 
And now when we just gave the, tele, the, the, the cashier, we said, here's $200. We want to pay for the next X amount of coffees that people buy. And we'll be sitting at a table, just let them know that, hey, you know, just tell them we're uh, such and such a church is paying for their coffee. You know, and just, if you want to come by and say hello, we're sitting right over there. If not, don't worry about it. Well, we had uh, several, uh, uh, several people, actually quite a few people come up to us afterwards, just ask us, why are you doing this? Right? Why are you buying my coffee? We just tell them simply, just because you're loved. Just because we love you, we want to let you know that the church is here for you. And that was it. We weren't being preached. Same thing how we did on Saturday with the hot dogs. You know, in the back of the cards, if you were there, we had cards. Front of the cards had free hot dogs. And the back it said, because you are loved. And that was it. No strings attached. We just want to show the goodness of God to people. You know, you can do that in your own life. You know, and, and you start thinking bigger. Start asking God for opportunity. Start asking God for opportunity to show his goodness. And I'm telling you, he will show you his goodness. And you'll be able to release that goodness to other people's lives as well. And all of a sudden, you're going to start to see a transformation and a revolution is going to come into your life. Because the best way to get breakthrough in your life is to go love on other people. Because it is the essence of the kingdom of God. It's the very essence of the anointing is to love other people and to show compassion. You'll see in Isaiah, Isaiah 61, the whole chapter of how he talks about Jesus, how he's going to be anointed, he's going to come and, and pretty much be a savior to the world. Well, not pretty much, he was and is. You know? <laughs> That's, my goodness. It's a good thing for the preacher to believe in the cross and the resurrection and salvation, isn't it? And uh, you know, but the whole essence of Isaiah 61 really talks about the compassion of God. The compassion and the love of God is the center focus of the anointing. You want to see more anointing in your life? Go love people. Amen. Go love people. And I'm telling you, you're going to start seeing amazing things begin to break through in your life. Can you get the Olivia back up here? And How many of you guys love Olivia? And then, of course, then there's youth pastor leader Justin. Where is he at? There we go, right in the front row. Praise God. We were on youth on Wednesday, and we were messing around with them. And it was such an amazing time on youth. In youth, you know, we got a few of them baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, some of them started speaking in tongues right here in the church. It was fantastic. And I realized explaining the baptism of the Holy Spirit to a 13, 14-year-old is kind of hard. And I realized I really have to simplify this quite a fair bit. I'm like, man, I don't know how else to explain with this. Like, how do I explain the Spirit of the all-living God coming to dwell inside of someone and giving someone power. How do you explain that? No. Sounds simple, but then when you have the kids that sit there and you're asking all these questions, it's like, man, I, I don't know how to explain this even further to you. <laughs> it was great. And one of them had uh, 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 partial uh, deafness, was already partially healed of deafness. You know, and then last, you know, we prayed for on Wednesday night and ears popped open. You know, it was fantastic. Praise God. Yeah, give the Lord a hand for that. And it was so good. Then we got the kids activated. They were praying for, uh, for one of the leaders. You know, uh, where's Charlene? Is she here? She's Sunday school. She, yeah, she was a, anyways, she had, her, she had a wrap on her arm, you know, because she hurt her elbow. And we got all the kids to pray for her, you know. And all of a sudden, she said, it feels really warm. You know, and she got goosebumps all over herself. And the you know, pain started leaving her body. Right? And these little, little kids, you know, and they just simply began to believe. It was just simply, they began to think beyond the realm of understanding. So if we can just begin to think beyond our realm of understanding, you know, and just saying, God, whatever it is you want to do, just let me do it for you. Just show me what it is. Just, I might not quite understand how this works, but I'm going to go and do it. See, I don't understand a whole lot of things when it comes to the supernatural, but I just know that if I submit myself to God, he will teach me and he will show me. And he'll be able to move forward with it. I don't understand how the heck God can tell me about people's lives. 
you know, and, and, and start giving words of knowledge to people and seeing people transformed. I don't understand how the kingdom of God can come out of us and impact someone's life. That right before your eyes, you see someone's life transformed. Those kids that we ministered to, to yesterday, their lives are never going to be the same. You know, everyone, all these, even the people who just simply got a hot dog, it was more than just a hot dog, but there was a transference of the love of God taking place. Those people's lives will never be the same whether they know it or not. See, people are hungry for salvation. They're hungry for an experience with a living and loving God. They just don't know it yet. You know, and the great thing is we carry their salvation. Within your spirit, you carry their salvation. You carry their miracle. You carry their breakthrough. And like I said, sometimes the biggest way to experience a breakthrough within yourself is to bring someone else's breakthrough for them. You know, it says in Isaiah 55 and verse 12, I believe it is, and it says that they shall go forth with joy in their hearts and peace upon them. I'm telling you, if you need joy in your life, go out with the gospel. Over and over again throughout the Bible, it talks about how uh, happy are those whose feet carry the gospel. There you go. For you shall go out with joy and be led with peace. And the mountains and the hills shall break forth into spring, uh, into singing before you. And the trees in the fields shall clap their hands. I love that. You know, simply if we could just go out with the gospel. I believe so many times there's so many problems, inner problems, inner turmoils that we face as believers simply because we don't understand the principle of the kingdom of releasing the kingdom of God over other people. If we can just begin to love people in unconditional ways, where we just we dedicate our lives not just for the furtherance of our career, but we purpose our lives for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not saying don't have a career. I'm saying you could use your career for the furtherance of the kingdom. You could use your life for the furtherance of the kingdom, but make it your number one purpose in life. Have the purpose for the kingdom of God. I'm not saying you have to drop everything that you're doing and join full-time ministry. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is, you're so in love with God, so un and understand the kingdom lives on the inside of you, that God wants to use you to change this world. When I look at this congregation, I see nation shakers. I see nation changers. The only difference is, how will you see yourself? Will you be able to challenge yourself to dream bigger, to think bigger, and start bringing a revolution and a transformation in your community? Maybe you're saying, well, I don't have a large sphere of influence. Well, take that sphere that you have and begin to change it. Amen. We as believers should be the happiest people alive. Amen. Come on. Amen. I remember a little while ago, I was, uh, I was ministering in Edmonton and I was going to, leading an outreach and the Lord tells me to go into this mall and go to a specific store and I walk into the store and I just, I walked in, you know, and I, I just have this joy in my heart. You know, I'm just excited about the Holy Spirit. I got this great hope that God's going to do something. And this young man walks up to me, one of the sales clerk, and he doesn't ask me if I need help with something. He walks up to me and he says, why are you so happy? He was almost upset about it. And I said, I said, do you really want to know? He goes, yes, I want to know why you're happy. What's different about you? I says, well, I have Jesus in my heart. And he goes, so do I. I go, what do you mean? He says, well, I'm a Muslim. And I said, you know, we believe Jesus is a prophet. So I have his teachings in my heart. I says, no, you don't have the true Jesus in your heart. And I began to minister the gospel to him. Minister the truth of Jesus to him. And he's, then he flat out tells me, he says, I want what you have. Didn't have to say a single word to him. He came up to me. She just simply saw the kingdom of God 
See, when we, it all comes down to you just purposing your life for the sake of the kingdom. Sometimes it just comes to making that simple decision. When we make that decision, it becomes a powerful force. See, there's a decision of following Jesus, accepting Jesus into your heart and being born again. And then there's the decision where you say, God, I'm going to devote my life 100% to you. That no matter what the circumstances look like, no matter what's happening in my life, no matter what's, what, no matter what's going on, no matter what my family thinks, no matter what my friends think, no matter what society says about Christianity, I'm going to devote myself to the furthering of your kingdom and the spreading of your gospel. And when we can do that, something powerful begins to trigger on the inside of you.